going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Oh, hello and welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, and there's still a lot of you out there aren't following me on the Book of Faces. You know, it's not a big deal, I suppose, but you should go like my page. I'm trying to make things happen, trying to get things going here. I love this part of the world, the river region. But I love you less if you ignore me. And it feels good to have a normal week begin, because Mondays means Troy is here. What's up, man? Hey. So, how was Christmas? How was the New Year? Christmas was awesome. The New Year was not. Oh, what? Do you want to share, or no? New Year's just a tough time. It is. It is. I was talking about that leading up to it. You were around on a few of my terrible New Year's Eves. We spent several together. Mm Mm-hmm. We endured the misery as brothers, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, there was the one at Fun Zone where everybody seemed to have a significant other there. Oh, yeah. And then you got to watch them all kiss at midnight. Well, and that would have been, you know, you know, you get over it. Like, I'm lonely. Right. I'm a humid Eeyore. Why doesn't anybody love an ass like me? Um, maybe it's because you're so negative all the time. But that would have been one thing, just to watch everybody smooching at midnight. But... Do you remember the part about 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes until midnight? I get a call from John Hales. Hey, Joey! And you can obviously hear party noise in the background. Somebody here wants to talk to you! I'm like, all right. I pick up the phone. It's Lauren. Which? With an H. Who is a great ahead of us. Oh. Who I had a bit of a, you know, I think a healthy crush on. I mean, it wasn't too over the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I recall this tragedy. Yeah, and she's like, where are you? Like, I'm at work. Fun zone. (sighs) So, yeah, New Year's Eve, this one wasn't friendly to me either. I was sick. New Year's Eve day and New Year's Day. I remember the text messages. They were not... Yeah, though you did tell me, and it was a wise advice, the uh, the baby wipes. Oh, yeah. It is genius. Yeah. Like an angel's kiss. It is. It really is. So, were you just bored on New Year's Eve? You didn't have much to go and do? Nope. No? Okay. All right. Yep. I'm prying here. I'm opening and shutting that book. All right. Well, well, that's said and done. Any New Year's resolutions? Be better today than I was to yesterday. Better today than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. Every day and in every way, things are getting better. <laughs> better. Yeah, that, but without the eye twitch. Yeah, without the, the sort of Dreyfus psychotic episode. Right. Now, for those who don't know, we're referring to the Pink Panther movies, where it's Inspector Dreyfus. He is constantly driven crazy by Inspector Clouseau. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part of me, looking back, feels for the guy. He was a bit evil. He had an evil streak to him, 
But that Clouseau, man, constantly getting in the way. A very successful comedy of errors. Well, and it's one thing when a hero, you know, knocks you off and defeats you. It's like this imbecile who keeps stumbling into evidence and facts and ruining my plan. He's, he stumbles and he ruins my plans. Mm-hmm. It just makes you feel small and incompetent. Well, that, that makes me think. Why? Obviously, they're not capable of doing this, but why don't characters in shows mm-hmm. like Dreyfus get upset with the people that are controlling them? Clouseau's got plot armor. Hmm. He can do no wrong. Everything is going to work out for him. Instead of getting mad. Oh, you're talking about upset with the creators. Yes. With the actual you know, producer and director and writer. Yes. Like, why am I having to constantly live out these lines mm-hmm. and these, these pitfalls of just being an incompetent evildoer? Mm-hmm. The torture of being in a deterministic world. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I like this angle. I wonder if we are. Like, you know, Sam Harris, who's a, one of the new atheists, he's a proponent of this, that everything all the way down is determined. That if you're a good scientist and you believe in physics and what physics has taught us, that everything is determined. And I listen to that and my glib reaction is then, why are you even telling me? Because you have to? <laughs> Why are you trying to convince me to change my ways at all, Sam? I know you're trying to connect, you know, scientific thought, the is, and connect it to the ought. Connect what is fact and from fact lead us to what we ought to do with our lives. But why are you even undertaking that project? Because you're programmed to do it? Or I think free will is is real in as much as that is how we deal with the world. It might be an illusion, but it's not one we can shake. And it's probably an unhealthy thing to shake. It's unhealthy to shake free will, or it's unhealthy yeah. to shake the illusion of free will? Unhealthy either. Okay. Either. Now, we, have, we all have free will. We have no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the closest thing I've, I've seen with determinism, outside of just completely giving up and saying, everything is determined for me, is nominative determinism. Hmm. Where, let's say, your last name is of a job. Like, your last name's Clark. Yeah, short for clerk, right? I think so, yeah. Let's say you were a desk jockey, paper pusher. Yeah. That would be like, well, that's my last name. Right, okay. So what you are named is significant to what you are and will become. Exactly. Well, it doesn't work for geographic last names. Like, my last name is about a water source. Okay, yes. But my first name, it, Troy, it's yes. a unit of measurement for the... It's a French unit of measurement for the weight of gold. Hmm. So if I were to say, deal in gold, that would be nominative determinism. <laughs> but you In don't, essence, no, I don't. I don't. don't deal in gold? I was about to say, what are we doing here talking on the radio? Well, sometimes I say my ideas are gold, but it really just turns out they're gilded. Oh, yes. I mean, it's what I've been struggling with, the gilding. Like, you think you have some deep, profound idea... Or say, not in just an idea, an ideal that you can march towards, mm-hmm. that you can order your life around, and you find out that that's not actually golden. Lipstick on a pig. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. A lot of blind alleys. Vanity of vanities. It's like, are you going to find it in, you know, promiscuity? No, probably not. 
You gonna find it in drink or intoxication? Probably not. Or you can even find it in just family. I don't think it's just like family, like family, family sake. That can also be miserable. You actually have to, you know, have something that you really love about your family because there can be some miserable family members. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's more for me, and especially a lot of the stuff I've been reading. It's like that idea of I'm going to reach this that summit I've set up in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to. I'm going to be a nationally syndicated radio host and make a good bit of money doing it. And once I get to that position, everything will be great, right? <laughs> and th- no. You have to realize, hopefully sooner than later, that that constant problem of what's next is will always be there. No matter how old you are, how much life you've lived, you always have that anxiety of, okay, what are you doing next? I got to the top of the mountain, and it turns out there was just more mountain. Yeah, exactly. And, you, you know, you look down on, you, I would hope you can look down from the summit at, wow, I scaled all that, and I'm proud of that. Time to, you know, move on to the next one without completely forgetting. Uh, but it's, uh, for me, I'm in the middle of an identity crisis, politically speaking. Is it because on this mountain there's only two ways to go, up or down? Yeah, something like that. I'm just saying, maybe the metaphor is bad. Yeah, the metaphor might be terrible. It's just a new metaphor. Everything's solved. Well, I don't know. For me, here's the extended metaphor using modern entertainment. Not topography? No. Okay. Barry Allen. The Flash. Oh, boy. There's one point where he goes back in time to save his mom. Okay. He's like, I'm fast enough... Folks, be with me here. The Flash is so fast, he can travel through time. So his childhood is marked by this very tragic, almost uncomprehensible death of his mother. He sees... That his father gets blamed for. That his father gets blamed for, though he knows his father didn't do it. It's like a a world. It's like another being came in and killed his mom. Mm -hmm. So he goes back in time to correct this tragedy. And when he does that, and he saves his mom, when he goes back to where he came from, back into the future, everything has changed. Mm -hmm. It's still the same people in his life, friends and girls, and all the same human beings are alive, but they are completely different. And he's changed reality completely. They've almost switched roles. It's called Flashpoint, where everybody, because of him messing with time, has switched roles, and he's in this almost alien alternate reality. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel after Donald Trump got elected. And it's, it's gotten worse over the last few months, is that the, the way to be a conservative was to constantly question the power of the presidency and question the government and everything Barack Obama and the people in control of the federal government were doing. Now it's, the, the script has completely flipped. And back when Obama was around, the left would constantly apologize for him. There were a few folks who got wise. I know this one young woman who burned her Obama shirt and she's now, I don't know, an anarchist. I don't know. They like fire. But now it's, it's flipped. The left is questioning everything and criticizing everything Trump does and the president does. <laughs> and most of the conservatives' work on media is to combat those criticisms <laughs> and to apologize for the guy. I'm sitting here going, it's a wild, crazy ride. I'm really enjoying it. But it's, it is crazy to me how the roles have been switched in that way. 
you know, it used to be conservatives were hypercritical and liberals were apologizing. Now conservatives are apologizing and liberals are hypercritical. Yeah, once you get to the top of the mountain, you say, well, what do we do now? Right. And, you know, it seems that Trump has undergone a little bit of a transformation since being in office. And I honestly am not worried in the same way I think a lot of my friends on the left are. I like I like the tax cuts. If I get more, if I get five hundred dollars more from in my paycheck over the next year, cool. Um, did I? W- I wish it was better. Yeah, I would not have done that tax plan if I was emperor of the United States. I would have done something different. But I'll take it if it's helping me personally. Right. Um, on we're talking off air. Crazy foreign policy issues like North Korea. It's like, how do you solve that? Oh, it's funny. Every time I read about it, people always point to the concept of geopolitics and mm-hmm. as if there is this one way of creating policy in geopolitics. And there's like this handbook of things to do. And each country has their own handbook. Like Russia's handbook, it's really old, but they're still playing by the same rules. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got North Korea. They have a very small handbook. It's only about a page. It is create fear. Monger fear, profit. Forget all of the its peoples, if you will, and their own sanity in life. Even their prison policy. If you and I were North Korean and one of us broke a law, they would send our parents to jail and our children to jail. Well, it's almost like somebody handed the folks who set up North Korea, here's a copy of 1984. And instead of going... Well, let's learn the lesson of Winston Smith learning to love Big Brother. They're like, oh, we could be the guys who only want power for power's sake. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like they took 1984 and Animal Farm and made it essentially how they're going to run the country. And there's a guy named Michael Malice who was raised in Soviet Russia. He's now a freelance writer here in the States. And he wrote a book called Dear Reader, the unauthorized biography of Kim Jong-il. Un's father. And Malice has traveled to North Korea a few times and he said how striking the similarities between his own upbringing and Soviet Russia were to what a lot of especially the kids in North Korea are going through. For instance, every week or so, you are brought in for confessions. Is anybody being disloyal? Is anybody talking in a weird way against the regime? And if you don't have anything to confess, then you're suspect. So what the regime does is they make people fearful of them, but they also make everybody suspicious of each other and having to confess on one another. Right. So I'm sure you know human beings are fairly ingenious when put in difficult situations. I'm sure families get together and go, what are you going to confess this week? And I'll confess this and that to where nothing is, is too bad, but there's this moving thing where Michael Malice was uh, in North Korea. They took him to the candy shop. Like, oh, y'all can buy candy and you can give it to the kids. So they buy up all these candies. He bought a bunch of gilded chocolate coins, gold chocolate coins. And before they actually got to the kids in their classroom, they uh, said, give us the candy. The authorities did. You can't actually give the kids candy. What are you talking about? That was just a photo op. Y'all buying that crap. So Malice quietly had one of the chocolate gold coins in his pocket. And when he had posted this photo telling this story, 
one of the little boys there, he handed him the chocolate gold coin and said, shh. Oh, boy. And said, do not tell anybody this. Enjoy it yourself. And there is a world beyond this, a better place. And people said, Michael, I mean, aren't you tired of writing and talking about North Korea? Uh, you know, why are you so sensitive to the jokes about Kim Jong-un and the North Korean regime, like them finding unicorns and crap? I mean, it, it is the jokes sometimes write themselves. He says, because I always think of that little boy I gave that gold chocolate coin to. And as long as those kids are in oppression, being made suspicious of their family members, of the rest of the world, and being taught to be in fear of this regime, they're also told to love, I'm not going to shut up about it. Incredible man. Um, and we should get more into that book, uh, dear reader. But you hear stories like that, the personal side of the geopolitical issues. And you hear solutions like, well, James Mattis is very confident. We have a military option for this. And I'm sure the United States military could kick the North Koreans' butt. But you also have to, and I think they'll admit this, millions die. Even in a successful campaign, millions die. And does it include that little boy? And I'm not judging those who are saying this is the military option we need. It's just a tragic situation any which way you turn. There's there's going to be a loss of life. Right. If such a thing were to come about. Well, and you hope it doesn't. And what got us on this rabbit hole is, okay, you can study all the geopolitical writing you want. Some of it is very worthwhile to study. But at the end of the day, nobody really knows what to do with the issue of North Korea. You can read Graham Allison's work on the so-called Thucydides trap about the rise of China. And the Thucydides trap is when an established power is challenged by a rising power. In most cases in history, there is war. And this starts with Athens rising to an established Sparta. And Thucydides wrote about it in the Peloponnesian War. And this has gone on throughout history. And you have to wonder, are we going to, you know, traverse this trap without getting caught in it? Well, we can try, and even President Xi Jinping of China said there is no Thucydides trap. We're looking for a peaceful rise. But you have to wonder if you make one wrong move, and you set off forces in China that aren't as cosmopolitan and thinking about technology and the economy, you set off more forces that, like, run the People's Liberation Army. And it's this rising, proud, nationalist China. It could lead to some pretty terrible outcomes. That's the one country I worry about. China. China. Yeah, Russia is a falling power who has nukes. And they're right. They're going by the same playbook. Autocracy, orthodoxy, and order. Power in Putin. We're the third Rome. Let's go back to the Greek Orthodox. And we're in, we need all these those two things because we need order in our society. But Russia doesn't scare me in pa the same sense. Paper side. tiger. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, they scare me in the sense that they have a huge nuclear arsenal. But a lot of what Russia's doing, and it makes me feel like I'm not a good American. But I see what North Korea is doing, going for nuclear weapons. See what Russia's doing, whether they're foray into, the, into Syria or them, you know, annexing Crimea from the, from Ukraine. And I'm like, well, that makes perfect geopolitical sense if we're going to look at this like a game. They're, they have a naval base with 40,000 troops in Crimea. Think they're just going to give that up? 
now that there was a coup in Kiev? No. Not to mention the only two ports that they really go out of are frozen over for a large portion of the year, so they need a freshwater port, so they gotta which is why they're they're funneling gas through Turkey. Yeah. Joke of a country. Russia, sorry. Oh, Russia, yeah. Well, Turkey's a whole other ball. <laughs> Gordian not. Ridiculous. Uh, the rise of Islamism there, Erdogan, and sort of the... Uh, we've had an air war college uh, expert who has been to the Middle East many times, has been to Turkey many times because they're a NATO ally, but there is this sort of longing. What is the word? Added, additivistic? That people want to return to sort of the old-time religion or return to certain cultural norms in order to make sense of a changing world. And it leads to all sorts of conflicts. Why I have an issue with nationalism. It's not like, oh, yeah, if you're proud of your father who fought in the war or who served the government, you like to wave the flag on the 4th of July or keep a flag out all year round and it's well lit and well kept and you like America and you like the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and you love this country or maybe you like the civil rights movements and the feminist movements and all these liberation movements. I'm not down on that. Great. Right. But when you start saying the ordering principle is our political identity and we're all one thing and it's a competitive game with other nations where if China gets jobs, it means the U.S. can't get jobs, that there's a, a, a set amount of pie out there. we got to get the biggest slice. That is a very, very, very dangerous game to play. That is a very dangerous game to play, but it brings up an interesting point, at least with regards to Washington and how we've got this two-party system. Because you could look at that and you could say, okay, so China's getting more jobs. That means America's losing jobs, hmm. right? Yeah. Just go with me for the, the sake of argument here. You've got one side that says, well, here's an idea how to fix it. The other side says, no, that won't work. Here's how we fix it. They come to this deadlock, right? Right. They're not willing to work with each other. They would rather scream at each other over this. They would rather take up airtime, get their faces all over the news channels, and then, rather than working together and coming to some sort of solution that would ideally involve compromise they will instead say well here's the solution that we offered here's why we think these people aren't going to go for it and instead of trying to work together they just say i've got the right answer and the other side doesn't and they're just too pig-headed and obstinate to understand where i'm coming from mm -hmm. and then they've got and then you've got to be sort of opportunistic in that if there's a national tragedy or something changes in a business sense or a geopolitical sense, you take that opportunity right there. I'm going to shove my identity down your throat. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like it, then you're one of them. What is that? Right. How can you work together if you promote such a tribalistic way of viewing the world to where if, if, if I can't compromise with somebody, that means that there's just no discussion whatsoever, so we're going to see who can shout the loudest? Right, and for me, it's, it's like there will always be different tribes. I think this is just going to happen. There will, I think the, the weird thing, and this guy I've been reading, Eric Newman, um, he was Carl Jung's prize student, kind of the heir of Jung's psychology and his psychological approach. And he really talks about that for all, I use the word atavistic, 
nature of the modern world, people going, he's writing in Israel after the Second World War. For all these folks returning to a certain ethnic identity or a certain nationalist identity or whatever it is, some sort of old-time religion, as I would put it in, as a shorthand, we are starting to realize more and more through science and study of literature around the world, mythology around the world, that there is a what you could call a greater humanity. That folks in China and the folks in the United States, as different as our culture and history is, we're also very similar. We experience the same sort of fears and envy and love. We so ex- inner subjectivity? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, th- and it's a matter of building that, actually. That, yeah, you have your, your unique form of it. China has its own nationalism, which is a little different than the United States. But you're going through the same crap, especially the lower classes. The folks who are living rough lives, they're the ones who have a lot in common. And that can be, even if you have an atheist Chinese person, because they were raised that way, and you have a born-again Baptist Christian, I mean, that, that you're still experiencing the same world. You're still experiencing the same things. Your traditions are trying to answer these common problems that all human beings have. And so my hope is that though there will always be different tribes and different ways to uh, essentially answer those big trying problems that everybody faces, that we don't have to all have one political answer. I think the United States is divided because there's so much at stake in D.C. There's a lot at stake if you control the federal government. And that leads to what you said, people shoving down others' throats their point of view, like culturally. There is obviously going to be a difference between, say, some like postmodern, post-structuralist, gender is only a language thing. It's the words we say. Then it's Gender wouldn't exist if not for all these social norms. As opposed to like somebody who's like our upbringing, Catholicism. No, gender has a clear outline. And... Excuse me, pardon me, but if you also read science... You got the XX and XY. Yeah, there is some, you know, biology to it. Doesn't mean that biology is destiny, necessarily, but those have to be reconciled. And ideally, those different camps need to be reconciled through persuasion and conversation. But instead, what we've gone to is, no, it's not about persuading and understanding one another, finding peace, understanding, and love. It's about who's controlling power whether the university level or the state government or the federal government, and who's going to get to impose their vision on the world. And, of course, people get resentful and uncharitable in that situation because it becomes a fight. Well, it's, it's even gone a level further. Now it's attached to identity. Yeah. Yeah, it's where the Hillary deplorables comment comes from. I mean, I think there was some stuff on the Internet, you and I both know about it, that is deplorable. But... That's not Dave Chappelle said in his recent special. I was the, in line. The first one or the second one that just came out? I think in both of them. But in the first one, he said, I was in line to vote and I was going to vote for Hillary. And <laughs> I'm not giving away all the jokes. That joke is oh so my good. Gosh. But he made a, a point of I'm around all these folks voting for Trump and I didn't see one deplorable face. Yeah, they're just human. Yeah, Sarah Silverman's been on this kick. Or she's got a new show on Hulu or Amazon called I Love You, America, where she goes to Trump country. Instead of arguing over politics and beating each other's heads in, they connect on a basic human level, even if it's like, hey, I kind of have the trots, and I accidentally crapped my pants one day. 
And so they share stories of when they accidentally crap their pants. And everybody has a great laugh. And Sarah, I'm I'm shocked because she is a shock comedian in many ways. And right. I love her for it. But this one guy on Twitter. She paid for, is that what you're getting at? Yeah. He called her the C word. The really bad C word you would call a woman. Oh. On Twitter. Mm-hmm. And instead of responding or just ignoring him, responding in a negative way or ignoring him, she read his feed, his Twitter feed, realized he's going through all sorts of like terrible pain management, back issues. He was actually molested or I think physically raped or sexually assaulted as a kid, which actually led to the back issues. Every time he's dealing with the pain, he's thinking of those terrible traumatic events. And she's like, dude, I've actually had terrible pain management issues myself. I hate that you're going through this, that your pain's very manifest in how you're talking to me, and I want to help you out. And it actually opened him up, and he started talking about his past. And then she reached out and said, is there somebody in his area that can help him? And somebody responded. And she's, I think, paying for it, the treatment. And I'm like, that's, an inc- that's one story, one person to another person. That's a great thing. Profound. Like a lot of things in life, when you have two opposing ideas, if you meet somewhere in the middle, you'll find a lot more common ground than you will if you just shout at each other over your your big walls. But we're trained. I mean, I've seen it with my own father. I don't know about yours. And I haven't seen your dad in a while. Love that guy. Need to go just say hi. He's doing great. Awesome. Awesome. He did go to the eye doctor today, so his eyes got all dilated. Yeah. It's I, like a spider. I, I I hate that when you get your eyes dilated. That's just... It's a little much. But I, I learned with my dad, he would fall asleep every night watching Fox News. To where it's even repeating. It's the same shows going on. I'm sure that's like sinking into his subconscious or his unconscious mind, showing up in dreams. like <laughs> I don't know. But I'm just making that crap up. But I did see when I would talk to him about politics, like the stuff we were just saying, he would react. Like I'm some left-wing Democrat. I'm like, hey, I'm not. It, it is kind of weird how if you if you question it automatically, it's like, if you're not with me, you're against me. Right. Which is why I think people like us, people who tend to sit in the middle of things, I know you tend to have a libertarian scope. Or but I'm even, in the identity crisis, I'm even questioning that. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It's been weird. Last week was not fun. On account of the identity crisis, yes, or the identity crisis, the and crisis. and the other stomach bug crisis. Oh yes. So, I tend to sit in the middle on a lot of things. I'm in in the sense that like, give me some facts. I want to work with some facts. Don't give me facts that have a particular focus. Like if I'm going to read a history of something, I'll read the majority of the histories, not just some left-wing revisionist history or some right-wing nationalistic history where facts get changed and skewed because they're viewing it through a certain focal point or a scope which is what they teach us to do in college which i should i'll probably touch on that a little bit but i give me some facts don't give me skewed facts don't give me facts with a scope unless you're telling me oh hey look this is what's happening this is how i'm approaching this then I can at least give me something to think about it critically, and then right. I'll make a decision. And if I'm not, you know, with you on this, if I'm 
or even if I'm against you on this, that doesn't mean that like I'm all of a sudden one of them right. or this bad person or it's not a judgment on my character. It's just that's how I feel about this particular thing. This is what I think about it. I will give you my opinion and it's an opinion. You can toss it out. You right. can throw it away. It doesn't matter. Right. And like it leads people to this fight or flight mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think in our cases, I've been more. I've did the fighting for a little while, but I've sort of turned in work. Like the flight has taken over me. It's like it's not a lot of political arguments. It's not worth it. I mean, as for the most part, unless I'm in a really crappy mood, I will go. Well, I guess we just disagree, and here's what I think. It's not a big deal. I got so flighty, I got off Facebook, man. Yeah, I think that was a wise decision on your part. Mm -hmm. Because I get into the the mindless scroll. Oh, you remember those? Mm -hmm. The like, oh, I'm I'm sitting here looking at my phone right now, but oh, it's just mindless, mindless, mindless scroll. Oh, somebody said that. Interesting. And then before you would get upset to the point where you're like, I'm going to take some initiative here and I'm going to send this person a message or I'll comment on their feed. Yep. And then it just goes from there. Yeah. You get sucked in. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to hit a break here. Um, and coming up tomorrow night, I have Toya, Toy Toy, from 100.5 Classic Hip Hop. She's my guest tomorrow night. Uh-oh. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, she is working her tail off making something of herself. So it's going to be a lot of fun talking to her. I think she's a single mom. And, I, you know, just go where the conversation leads. But I love talking to folks like her who are sort of recreating themselves and doing whatever they can to uh, well, to have fun in this world. Give you some inspiration for your identity crisis. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. And I was sitting here thinking that a lot of what we played at Fun Zone, the funnest of zones, was now probably considered classic hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Like, even the modern stuff that came out, like Usher and Lil Jon doing Yeah!, that was a common one we were is playing that on. Is considered classic now? It probably is. My goodness. It's 10 years old. It's more than a decade old. I mean, true classics like Tootsie Roll. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a... Oh, yeah. But with laugh... What about the Space Jam? Oh, Space Jam has to be a classic at this yeah, point. That's a. that's good. Yeah, so I'm, I might be talking to Toya about that tomorrow night, whatever. But I found a very classic funk album. I know, I listened to it in the car on the way here. Yeah, and that's uh, this song is the Brothers Johnson, and the album is from 1978 called Blam! Blam! And it was produced by Quincy Jones. And you can kind of hear the makings of the Brothers Johnson along with Quincy Jones produced and did most of the music on Michael Jackson's Off the Wall album, I believe. Is he in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet? Quincy Jones He has to be. Like, If not, it's... Though I learned last week we don't have an MLK statue in this city. In Montgomery? Yeah. Even though we have the museum? We have the museum, and right now they're trying to raise the funds, I believe, to get the statue in front of the museum. But we don't have a statue. I'm like, what is that? That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and everybody in these articles I was reading, like Mayor Todd Strange, all these folks asked, why is there not a statue? Everybody's like, I don't know. (laughs) I really think it's probably because there's a lot of historical inertia. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, I found this classic album. And the B-side is, of the vinyl is great, but the song here is It's You, Girl. We'll come back with more from the Brothers Johnson, 1978. Blam! But for now, It's You, Girl. Make sure to visit the Facebook page and hit that like button. Mm, yes, the Joey Clark Radio Hour, Mondays with Troy. We'll be right back. Don't wanna come out. 
I've been wrong so long and played little games Just can't believe I could ever change I think that's that's just slapping. Straight slapping. And the name of this one is Mr. Cool off the Brothers Johnson album from 1978. Blam! And it, all the, the only lyrics are Mr. Cool. That's really the only way you could say that, too. If you're going to make a funk song, yeah. you can't just be like, Mr. Cool. No, that's, you got to drag it out. Mm. Well, and I love this era because it's not where, like, just the disco machine... Like, the four on the floor took over. Like, this is still some pretty complicated funk music. Mm-hmm. And that bass. You got the, the pocket drumming. With the clavinet. Oh. It actually know, sounds like something Mr. Fink of Prince. Oh, Dr. Fink. Yeah, that's it. Dr. Fink. Yeah, yeah I had uh, Seth Spotlow in last Wednesday, and he, I showed him the video for Controversy. He's like, who's that guy in the keys? I'm like, oh, sir, that's Dr. Fink. <laughs> that is Dr. Fink. And yeah, I, I look back and I'm like, I was born in the wrong time. Everybody says that. And yeah. that makes me so sad because you can recreate that time. Yeah, but you're born, you're born in time. You can recreate that time. You're right. You're, you're right. But it feels like I should have been born in the funky 70s. It's true, but... There is a warning that should come with recreating that time. Hmm. That's how you become a hipster. Yes. No, it's true. That's not good. What's wrong with being a hipster? You know, vinyl has made a comeback this year. (laughs) I'm thinking of traveling the southeast to sample all sorts of craft beers. There is nothing wrong with being a hipster. (laughs) I will say, though, there can be problems with being elitist. True. What, what is it, the golden age thinking? Like the things that came before were always better? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, what you're really trying to find is the is childhood. Childhood was so wonderful. That's why the Star Wars movie wasn't as good. Oh, Lord. And, man, I didn't realize we were walking into terrible, like, treacherous territory just talking about that movie and liking it. Were a lot of people upset with us? Not with us, but no, we're not that important. Okay. Uh, but okay. like, I started going online and seeing people's reactions. Like my brother and his girlfriend and her dad went to go see it, and they all thought it was terrible. Like Will came home and he was pissed. Uh, hmm. Like I hated it. I want to hit him with some southern charm though. Like, <laughs> oh honey, 
My yeah. sweet summer child. <laughs> oh, honey, are you okay? Bless your heart, Will. Here, have have an Arnold Palmy here. <laughs> Just uh, sip that. Now, let me get you a Virgin Shirley Temple here. And, uh... Actually, I think Shirley Temple's only come in the virgin variety, but just sip on that and let me uh, let me school you on all the parallels. Would you like a hard candy? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, why do they even make those anymore? But hard butterscotch? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> if you shut off the Werther's original machines, you will unleash ghosts. Oh. And that's that's, that's not good. Yeah. We don't have Ghostbusters in this reality. No, but we do have Werther's ghosts. And I'm worried that some of those ghosts are going to be a little handsy. Handsy? Yeah, they're going to be like Charlie Rose. I don't want to have to hear about the New Deal. <laughs> well, Sonny, if you, <laughs> you just didn't understand. It was before electrification, and then that FDR, he, he, he brought the magic of the modern age to our area. Roads. <laughs> <laughs> and back when you just you just wanted to meet a young lady, you just put that crusty paw on her shoulders and started massaging. You know, now that I think about it, actually, mm. something similar to that would be really great with um, broadband infrastructure. Oh, we did that, but yeah. they pocketed the money and they did nothing with it. Yeah, and that's my issue with a lot of those um, a lot of those plans. It's like, okay, they could pocket the money, and it's just utterly corrupt. Or they could build out, and it's like, wait, why did you choose to build out to that area? It's what happened with railroads. It's like you get these railroads to, like, nowhere that have no economic value whatsoever that end up going defunct. So... Yeah, I would love broadband and high-speed internet access everywhere in the country. I think there are some cool ideas coming where you don't need pipes in the ground, where it's going to be free Wi-Fi or many instances. But uh, Or you could just do what ISPs are doing and just reclassify the definition of broadband. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, we promised you broadband, but we, we changed the definition. Well, have you heard that Montgomery is building up an internet exchange, though? Like, they want to be an internet exchange with the base, with Maxwell Air Force Base here, with UAB up in Birmingham. Um, they want to essentially become a switch, and Atlanta's the closest one right now. But that, the idea is just having direct access where you don't need, like, a, a consumer-based ISP. Or you don't even have to deal with, I believe, Tier 2 at that point. You can just hook right into the exchange of your Maxwell Air Force Base. I, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I'm, I, I'm sure there's some folks out there listening go, man, he's ignorant of that stuff. Yeah, but I've been told that this is big for Montgomery. We don't even use the phrase ins and outs in the industry, okay? Really? Yeah. You're in the industry? In and out of it. I got those tickets you were looking for <laughs> at the Coca Cabana Club or whatever it is. <sighs> But you know, going forward, I, I mean it, man. I'm in sort of this identity crisis. It's like, what do I want to stand for? At the end of the day, politically, and really, it's I already know. But it's a matter of how can I use those things I believe in, and take this crap product that is political news, and talk about it. It's why I think 
Just go with me on this. Yeah, help me polish this turd. Well, it's why Two-Face is a good villain. Hmm. He's got the coin, right? Yeah. Pick heads or tails, you know. Or he, he doesn't even do that. He, he determines it for you. Heads you live, tails you die. Right? right. I found that in my life, if I cannot vocalize a desire, that my subconscious can decide it for me simply by picking heads or tails. Hmm. By determining what heads means and what tails means. As soon as I flick it off my thumb, and as it spins in the air, I know all of a sudden, and it's weird that this happens, but all of a sudden, I'll be like, I hope it lands on tails. Even though three seconds before, mm. I had it on my thumb, and I was about to flick it, I could not come to a decision. I think, you know, oh heck, I would want both. Oh, so once you, essentially, once you put yourself out there, you put yourself in a situation where you have to make a choice. Right. Then the choice comes to you. It comes to you. Hmm. Even if you can't vocalize it, your subconscious, all of a sudden, try it next time. Yeah. Like, which hot sauce am I going to put on this thing? I could do either. But as soon as you flip that coin, you're going to be like, oh, man, the Cholula. Yeah, the I Cholula. hope it lands on the Cholula. And then it doesn't land on the Cholula. And you put Cholula on it anyway. Wow. Self-determinism. I don't think we're determined. Well, I think we're, I'm a compatibilist. We're determined to a certain degree. But then we have this thing called volition, where we can somewhat perceive the future with our imagination. Not the exact future, potential futures. Like you're saying, is it going to be heads or tails? I think we're pretty much the only creatures that can do that that I know of. Planet Earth 2 is now on Netflix. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It gave me nightmares, though. What part? The cities episode. The leopards. The leopards. And they go... I didn't know there were so many hogs. In, in that the, were pets. Yeah, they yeah. made it seem like they were pets. And there's this little piglet. Several. And the cougar runs up and... Wait, now I feel like I'm describing my love life. But there's this little piglet that the cougar comes up and steals from the other the mother hog. And it's running off with it. And it's like a night vision camera mm -hmm. to catch all this. And you can hear the piglet going... Wah, wah. Yeah, they they really Ugh. captured the squeals. Yeah, it's blood curdling. Uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable, but it's damn good on 4K TV. Oh yeah, you got that 4K TV now. Yeah, and it's 4K Ultra on Netflix. Like that's that's high society. That's high living. Then, you know, screw all these crises, this neuroticism that I've got going on, and uh, that is even a word. And let's just watch TV. That should solve all my problems, right? If I just watch TV and I forget about all the deep, profound troubles in my life, I'm sure they won't come back up to consume me. You know what I tried to do last night that made me want to not watch TV? Mm. I put on Ken Burns' The Civil War. Oh, Lord. I got 10 minutes into the did first episode. you light episode. up a, a cigar, too, while you did that? No, no. <laughs> I got 10 minutes. I, I put it on because I was like, I know this is going to be boring. I'm going to fall right to sleep as soon as I put this on. 10 minutes, I went... I went, F this. <laughs> I'm not watching this. It's like, why? Why are y'all going through this? So I went back to the last episode of World War II in color, which is a much better documentary. Yes, it doesn't have great. Ken Burns' voice, which is not great. Well, I think we've gone and done it. Gone and done another show. I can't believe it. Yeah, this was a good one, freewheeling. Yeah. It's kind of like that coin flip thing. It's like, what are we going to talk about? I don't know, but let's flip the coin and see what comes up. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's a, doing the freewheeling thing. A lot harder not to uh, to 
curse. Indeed. Now just listen to that little synth coming up. This is Streetway, Brothers Johnson from 1978. Blam! Mm. You've been listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside my good friend Troy. I'll be back tomorrow night talking to Toya. Classic hip-hop. Make it in this world. Oh, it's going to be fun. But now just soak in the Brothers Johnson. You fools. Joey Clark.